0: Is the XR
1: Motion Podcast with your hosts Michael Steinberg and Andrew Hogue.
0: Welcome to the XR Motion Podcast, where we go over everything AR, VR, 3D, XR, Metaverse, whatever that is, AI, NFTs, you name it, we go over it. Today we have a very special guest, but before I introduce her, uh, we have our amazing
2: co-host Andrew. How's it going? What's up, man? Easter egg. This is all just chat GPT. None of this is actually being recorded right now. These are all just, we're just a bunch of robots on the internet. Yeah. Um, that's right. How are you, man? I'm, I'm good. I, I had a good Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I'm excited to go back home and see everyone again for um, the Christmas, New Year's holiday.
0: Yeah, that's right. Round two, Christmas, very exciting. But to bring the wonderful guest in, Sarah, we have here with us, she is a Brooklyn-based artist. We actually wound up meeting at camp and she came to a meetup a few times and a wonderful person. A little bit about her work. She uses virtual spaces to build worlds filled with fantastical objects and creatures. Her work is just, you know, I I always try and give a description work, but it's just beautiful and fun. It is great. If you haven't seen her work, guys, go check it out. It's Sarah with an extra S at the beginning. So for Instagram, it's S, then s a r a h banks and guys go check it out now i always suggest that you uh, know what the artist makes while you're listening to the podcast so With that being said, Sarah, how's it going?
1: Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm good. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, man. Were you around with the snow? I always feel like I see your Instagram and you're bouncing all over the place. Are you in New York right now?
1: Yeah, I'm in New York. It's like when I'm in New York, I don't go outside. Well, I do. But today, like I was glued to my computer and you said snow. I was like, I honestly didn't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not the greatest thing.
0: Yeah, it, it looked like a blizzard for about an hour
1: just a dusting
0: yeah exactly um when it comes to your work i just want to kind of quickly for anyone here that's interested and didn't look up your work um what would you say exactly it is you do like how would you describe it to somebody like at a bar or something
1: oh at a bar
0: maybe not a bar let's uh (laughs) no no
1: i get it if someone has like a general like it's okay i feel like it's like someone who has a general understanding and their only thought isn't like Disney. I like to say, like I've been catching myself saying this, like it's a balance of cute and evil. Nice. Everything is telling a story. So mm. apart from that, it's a lot of flashy texture, glitter, <laughs> lazy lighting, over the top Yeah, this- <laughs> to some degree. That's probably my summary.
0: The saturation you have in your work—I say this all the time—it's just something I struggle with. And your color palette is fantastic. Yeah, I feel
2: like so colorful. Your use of iridescence is top notch. I Mm -hmm. every time I try to do stuff like that, I'm like, this is not what I had in mind. But but yeah, I love the cute evil first of all because I think that's very (laughs) on point. I don't know, like going through like Candyland vibes or something, like Mm -hmm. just very it's very sweet it's it's cool to look at it's exciting there's yeah it's really cool yeah sparkles too i feel
1: like
0: that's not done a lot you know and i just love some of this stuff that you put in there so yeah of
1: course this is like my history but when i learned 3d i was learning in college and that was like actually my first question (laughs) i was like how do i make glitter and sparkles and my professor who i i did really like that she was like it's you don't and i was like that's not true like i just know that it's not true but i was like super limited obviously because i was just learning so i was really dedicated (laughs) to figuring that out
0: i now have a new goal in life and that is to figure out how to make
2: sparkles and glitter i'm like it's
1: definitely (laughs) possible
2: you just don't do that that's such an interesting response to that question well um
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, no, no. I, so I'm curious. So, so you went to school. Uh, what did you study when you were at school?
1: I went to art school. So the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And I told my parents I was going for graphic design. So I did ceramics and painting. Oh, nice. And yeah, I still really love ceramics and painting. But I kind of found out about 3D and gravitated towards it because I had so many issues in sculpture where I felt limited Mm. by money or by gravity or by size or perspective. So I really ended up liking it as just like a tool where you can explore a lot of boundaries without ruining your budget or like, you know, you can always shift and change everything at any time, which I think was what was so appealing to me
2: yeah you can't waste actual materials like you can't waste paint, you can't waste clay <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you know if you if you get to a point where you need to like control Z a thousand times, totally doable um not so much with physical art for sure.
1: Yeah, or like I was making like these really big metal sculptures, like seven, eight feet tall, and they were like mm. dangerous.
2: Nice. Yeah, that's, I mean, seven to eight feet sculptures is definitely and metal. Uh, no joke. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, I mean, even can't be good for your health insurance premiums. You know, they're just like, they're like, <laughs> that's you're li- true too. They're your liability. Uh, way less risk sitting behind a computer all day. Maybe. I don't know. I guess that. Yeah. What <laughs> programs do you primarily work in? Like, what is your day to day look like? What are you in and out of? Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you excited about in terms of like what you're working? with or what are you kind of experimenting with any of that kind of stuff
1: yeah i use cinema mostly now as my central program i was taught maya but then gravitated towards cinema after school but uh, i also do a lot of work in substance and zbrush so Mm. i don't have a plan and execute it i'm always moving back and forth so i'm always re-exporting out of every program reconnecting the dots over and over again
2: what part of what parts of substance do you work with?
1: Um, for substance painter, I just do all my texturing in there and like. Okay,
2: cool. Yeah. Painter primarily.
1: Yeah, not designer. I've done a little in designer, but I there, messed with yeah. designer for
2: five minutes and I was like, "This is a rabbit hole that will take all of my time. I will enjoy it. I'll have a great time doing it." But it is not <laughs> viable for me because I will waste so much time
1: in there. Yeah, I've also felt it's just not how my brain works. Yeah,
2: the, proce- the kind of procedural, yeah. structural thing is like, yeah, it can get very daunting very quickly. So you have your personal work. Um, are you doing client work or I freelancing? That
1: I also work for a design studio um, that's here in New York. So I work there. Nice. Three days a week and then i do freelance the rest of the time so i'm like and personal oh, oh yeah that's it's perfect. a really awesome deal um
2: that is such a good setup yeah, yeah
1: and they have really it's really cool um the company's called burn and broad and they have really cool projects too so it's not like i'm like uh dying I'm like making like The worst like most tedious stuff all the time. It's it's really fun.
2: Eight thousand lower thirds. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's not the case with um, the the studio you're working you no my current
1: studio is great. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but even but even being able to just have like the flexibility to say I've got a few a few days a week where maybe it's freelance maybe it's other freelance work, maybe it's just exploring and trying out new stuff and working on personal work. I mean that really is the dream. So
1: Yeah, and I have some structure. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right yeah super important i mean some people i've met some people that are like i don't need structure at all i am very much with you on that on i i need like some form of a. otherwise yeah otherwise i end up in substance designer for like 40 hours straight and accomplish nothing
1: <laughs> or i i like can't if i need like a staple thing in my week that i know that will happen so i can like feel urgency about other tasks <laughs> mm-hmm
0: definitely a goal like i need the urgency i feel like to get my work done i like need to always have multiple projects but i don't know that's just me personally oh, yeah i
2: mean with personal work i feel like i if i don't set some sort of art honestly that's why uh like i did i did a lot of i didn't really do it this year because i was super busy with some other stuff but like when i did november last year like that was a perfect oh yeah example of just like these art. there are artificial deadlines There's was not you know nothing was going to happen if i didn't do it but I did find that once I started kind of being in the groove of like, okay, I've got like two days to finish a prompt, like, you know, it it definitely helps, um, I don't know, it helps declutter for me, at least, where it's like, it forces you to just take an idea, start going with it, make something happen, you know, not iterate to death.
1: So was that, was that like a daily kind of project? Or like, Um,
2: I think so. When November started, I think it was like all of November. It was a daily prompt, and then they recently pivoted to. um, I think it's one prompt every two days, so you have two days to work on a prompt, Mm. which they talk about at length about why they chose to do it. But I think it was definitely the right move because it's just like way more people were able to participate, and you know. A one day turnaround on stuff. I mean, especially when you see some of this stuff that people do in November, you're like, I don't even know how you did this in two days. But imagine imagine with a 24 hour turnaround, you know, I feel like we're at that point too, where people just want to see more like the bar
0: in 3D has gone up. I mean, I just did 30 days of sculpting and I I think almost over half of them. I wish I had an extra day.
2: It's. Day but i mean if you look to at it about high quality content right but if you look at it as an exercise i mean i yeah i, I know you all well enough to say this michael but i feel like i can look at day one and day 30 and be like oh you definitely got better at sculpting in 30 days <laughs> i mean like whatever yeah. happened in between sort of becomes like means to an end kind of thing but mm-hmm.
0: absolutely yeah
2: that i mean and that's the fun thing about the deadlines and
0: having multiple goals is that Maybe you don't get where you wanted to every single time. But, you know, by the time you do your next goal, you know, you're going to be that much further. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that I felt, too, and this is something I struggled with, was a bit of creativity. And when I'm looking at your work, Sarah, I don't see any lack of creativity. <laughs> What's kind of your workflow for getting these designs out and you're, you know, putting the inspiration out on your pieces?
1: Yeah, I think. A lot of my more recent kind of personal sculpting projects are based off vintage ceramics, which I really love because they are one kind of a lot of them are a bit creepy, Mm -hmm. kind of this like cute and they've aged out or like they're worn in weird ways and like thinking about what details give them like a past or something like that
2: i don't know if i'm referencing the right stuff uh bunny in a bunny suit is that one yeah yeah uh
1: that deserted like...
2: deserted carnival flower is that also totally. one? yeah no i i see it i see exactly i mean and like honestly it's kind of like um i my parents at one my parents got divorced when i was younger i moved to pennsylvania with my mom um and my Best stepdad ceramics and
1: ever pennsylvania
2: and so we moved into this house that just like there was stuff everywhere that 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 was left in these rooms and like you would go in and you would find like bunny in a bunny suit straight up it would be like this weird porcelain face and the rest of the body was fur and like a st- it's like a half stuffed animal half china doll and it was terrifying yeah
1: you're like where come
2: from <laughs> like who who opted to buy this when it was nice and now it's probably 50 years old so it's like really grungy and but yeah i can totally see yeah. that and it's kind of interesting because i feel like you have like a good um you sort of counter that with like like modern lighting and totally. you know like it feels mm-hmm. very placed in the right now but i mean it still kind of harkens back to, to all that
0: Yeah, it's like a 1960s, like, object, but made in the year 3000. Yeah, that's Jetson's history,
1: (laughs) Jetson's history.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, sidebar, I also, obviously, I like the ceramics, so I like looking at vintage stuff and antiquing, but I was like, when I went to Pennsylvania, I was like, they've got the best stuff. Uh, Mm. I think East Coast, just, like, as an older area in the U.S., has more weird little things i was Um. just in
2: um i went up to the to the Catskills uh for a weekend with some friends and we went to uh, to say it's an antique warehouse kind of doesn't even really do it justice it's like i know i think i can it's like seven city blocks it's massive that's just just
1: like my favorite kind of place like even if i don't buy anything i also like going to those places because it's like Kind of like a history museum of the air local culture oh yeah like it's Mm. so funny like uh, my dad lives in savannah and like i go to the kind of antique malls there and in georgia yeah
2: nice and it's like the like
1: nautical history is funny like everything's like ropes and and steering wheels yeah and and anchors and anchors and stuff yeah yeah.
2: or like the little the little round windows that like you see in like the bottom yeah the bubble window
1: like spongebob bubble window yeah it's definitely like a little cultural history like history of the area in a funny
2: way that's such an awesome way to look Mm. at it though too because it's so
0: true that's awesome well i so as somebody you know i i've been getting into modeling recently um, and I just find it so fun. Like it's something I just never really thought about until, you know, they, all these cool apps been coming out and ZBrush once it got into Maxon, you know, I started diving in and man, it's just been amazing. I, do you have any like tips or anything you feel like that you learned along the way that maybe you wish you knew sooner when you just started?
1: Maybe a big a tip that I still need to get better at is optimizing your mesh. I feel like it makes it, that's like it's Mm -hmm. so fun to like make the craziest thing and then you like bring it over somewhere else and you're like, it's terrible. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's maybe spending time like learning that as you're learning the fun things, but it's also kind of about your desired outcome. Like, does it matter that it's perfect? Like that's kind of something i think a lot about in my work because i don't think i'm like a master of any of these programs so mm. i always feel like i'm softening it together um, at the end you know like showing a yep. pretty face of it or whatever like lighting it the right way so i think while you learn those things it's also trying to like getting it to where you like it is the most important part
0: yeah, it's so easy in ZBrush to just start Get adding pop. Yeah, it's like God forbid you press subdivide twice. It's just like oh, yeah. having You're so much fun, you 10 know. Ten million gotta- polygons, <laughs> and your
1: computer's like having an aneurysm. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I like I'll just be sitting there sometimes, and then I'll just hear the like jet engine fans kick on. I'm like, oh my god, what's my polygon count? Polygon count at like ten million. Um, Mhm every single time uh, every time
2: I actually so I've I've been doing a um, Gleb Alexandrov who runs uh, or is part of uh, Creative Shrimp who does really good blender tutorials and um I've followed him for years like he's literally saved my ass on like client projects where I was like how do I render this volumetric lighting scene on my like terrible gpu and op- he's all like, about what, optimization.
1: what render settings will <laughs> exactly <my> yeah <laughs>
2: um so he's he's yeah. got a really amazing lighting course out right now that i just picked up um and it's kind of one of those things where it's like he you know there it comes with like a bunch of like project files to follow along with and you open up like there's this warehouse scene you open it up and you're you, like you look at the render and you're like this must be like you know at least a million polys like super high poly count high verts high you know all quads and it's not, it was like such a lightweight scene. And it's just like, he's just a master of like, kind of knowing the hacks of like what you can get away with and like, what is important to focus on, you know, if, if something is like mm-hmm. way off, you know, adaptive subdivision kind of tries to solve it. But if like, if something is way off in your scene, it doesn't need to have, a, you know, you can fake, if, if you're worried about like displacement or stuff, you just do it all with texturing. But that stuff takes so much time of just kind of going through I can't tell you how many projects I got to the end of and was like, I don't think I'm going to get this done on time because everything is taking so long to render and, like, debug. Um, so I think just the more you do it, too, you just kind of, you start to kind of build in. I don't think it's bad to, like, work on high-poly stuff, but, I mean, just keeping in mind, like, whatever the end use is, like, is it going to totally. come back to bite you in your ass? Like, mm-hmm. Especially when you
0: bring it into, like, ZBrush is so powerful. And then, yeah, as you were saying, then you bring it into, you know, Cinema 4D, and you can't even move the object it's so right heavy. yeah you know it's uh yeah you gotta keep those things yeah
1: on one screen. time i the most shocking file i've ever received was i was like we're getting a asset from a client to like put into a scene and it was like a pretty normal thing nothing that should be so crazy and it had 45 million polygons Mm-hmm. and I was like really desperate for an explanation like I don't know
2: why mm-hmm. I didn't need you're
1: one like, but I was just like I must talk to like who made this like, yeah you're
2: like I figured out how to make this work but I need to hear from you why you thought this was the, the route to go
1: I need to like tell them mm-hmm. this is likely. like I get it like everyone does like I still feel like I don't always deliver like the, you know you everyone has a different way of working every project has like a different structure but I was just like this
2: I mean that's, that's heavy. Crazy. That's like I think the o- the only time uh, I've I've worked is- with anything that high poly was uh actually Michael when we went and got scans at Shakespeare Studio. Oh yeah. And he sent me the like the t- the like low low poly one which was still like I don't know, a ton. And then there was mm-hmm. a higher like the kind of raw. I like I would open Blender and it would just be like I would move and it's also weird because you're working with your model. So it's like I have to look mm-hmm. at my like ugly mug Faze. on the screen and just like, and then it's like glitching and artifacting. And I'm like, this is <laughs> very uncomfortable for me. I think there was a 50 million polygon one right. they sent
0: over and I couldn't even open that. But it was nice. The only I got way the... I could
2: get that one open actually, and I was, I, this is kind of a good segue because I have, um, I have some questions for Sarah. Um, so I don't use ZBrush, uh, but I think Houdini's remesh is, really 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 solid and also just in terms of like viewport performance houdini's incredible but i could only open those scans uh, and remesh in houdini actually but that brings me to um i see a lot of simulation stuff i see a lot of cloth sim i see a lot of f- hair and fur some fluid stuff um where are you doing all your simulation work
1: it's all x particles
2: Ooh, okay. All right, all right. Right on. Have you messed with any of, I mean, I'm not a Cinema 4D user, but I know that there's just been like
1: huge, Go Using ahead. Octane or uh, Redshift? So I use, I have both. Mm, okay. But I like, uh, I mean, Octane to me is a fun one. And it really makes sense to my brain. Mm-hmm. I use Redshift um for more client work. Like some people like request it or my studio uses Redshift. So it's easier that way. And it's a way to force myself to learn <laughs> about it
2: i've done i've messed with both octane and redshift because you can put both those renders in blender um i was obsessed with redshift and how it handled um transmissive materials and glass yeah like
1: subsurface
2: yeah subsurface mm -hmm. all that stuff was just like so much i don't know what it was it was just so much better the results looked so much yeah it was not noisy it was not like i didn't have to like you know a lot of times things. you got to crank sample settings as soon as you put like any subsurface or glass or whatever. And the reason I bring that up too is because I feel like you have a lot of that in your
1: mm-hmm. in your
2: work. You do have a lot of, you know, glass and translucency and, but I mean, also I think Octane is, I mean, I, I come from like Cycles X, but like Octane even I think crushes Cycles X in terms of glass shaders and all that already. So Redshift yeah. is just sort of like a, an extra step beyond that, I feel like.
1: I definitely do feel the same way about redshift materials. Having, I think they have more of like a realistic feel more easily. I don't know if that's everyone's opinion, but mm. I did this project earlier this year. That was a lot of clay, and it was for Nike. And like, I kept messing with the clay in Octane, and it was never like the right feel. And mm-hmm. then twenty minutes in Redshift, fine. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, it's it's an it's. I always think it's so interesting how like what. Like what things certain render engines get hung up on, um mm-hmm. like I had to do yeah. I did a project um i mean i I think it turned out all right, but like having to do like convincing paper like f- to make everything that look it like, like it's made from like paper mache. it's like it's translucent, but it's also diffused. it's all I mean, it's just like every material in one. and so, yeah, it's kind of interesting because like I never really when I first started out, I mean, I never really thought about like what are certain render engines better at certain materials that was just like not on my radar but the the more time you spend with it the more you kind of see like okay like i can see why you know some people do prefer redshift for certain projects or you know octane Mm -hmm. is obviously just i think octane's everywhere so people are also comfortable seeing like the results of that and i feel like it's very photorealistic you know doesn't really leave a lot to be desired but um i did want to ask you about your so i i see you just did a project with Urban Decay cosmetics.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Um, really cool spot. It's awesome. Um, like what? So, first of all, I guess what did you do on the project?
1: Yeah, actually, that one is from last year, but it's like okay, my it's my pin because it's like oh got it my oh, favorite. I,
2: oh, that's a pin. No, no, it's okay. It's pin. actually
1: like one of my favorite projects because I, I feel like it's kind of my world. So was cool it was a big team but it kind of got based off of my renders which was really nice oh sick but mm. yeah that was a super cool project it was also like one of the first things i felt like kind of bigger for me that i was like, i mean the
2: production value is like through is like top 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 tier i mean yeah um so did you get so did they provide all the footage and stuff did you do all the keying and like compositing stuff or were you were so you really i just,
1: didn't i didn't do the compositing i created the like world before the shoot wow. so then they like face the lighting and like, filming off my like footage which was really oh nice. that's
0: awesome that's uh so, so you you're, weren't even more in the post you were more in the pre-production yeah which and I, then they um, referenced wow
1: totally that's like something i'm really trying to get myself more mm. seated in is like not being the person just doing the last minute edits. 100%. But this project was really cool for that, that they already had my kind of content while they were shooting it. Yeah. And then I worked with a compositor who sent me the like tracked camera and things like that to place back in the world so we could get the right shots.
2: Oh, Amazing.
1: And yeah, it was super cool. I, I really love the director, um, Charlotte Rutherford. She has really cool work. I was a huge fan of her before the project.
2: And I feel like your style translates really well to sort of like fashion cosmetics. I mean, in terms of like- We
1: got the glitter. Yeah, we got the glitter. We got (laughs)
2: high saturation. We've got, yeah. Yeah. Um, So have you done any other uh, like fashion or beauty work?
1: Well, recently I worked with one of my friends who's a designer to like create a bunch of different like CG worlds for her fashion work. And that was really nice because I got to be the director, the producer, and the VFX person so i had to say the models, was a photographer and i was there at the shoot nice that was really cool yeah be the front and the end but it's a ton of work
2: <laughs> well i mean at that point but. you're basically like you're kind of like you're doing like some like vfx supervision you're also doing kind of like art direction at that yeah point.
1: it was definitely that yeah
2: that's the best is like I I feel like I've gotten a lot of projects where it's like I'm given a shot and it's like you got to work with the bounds of the Mm -hmm. shot. If the lighting's bad, you got to make the composites match even if it's bad lighting. And so it's like so much good work comes from like the inverse of that, right? Where it's like, okay, if we know what is going to happen in post, like we can actually have practical lighting and practical effects that like just only serve to sort of enhance the final vision. So that's that's really cool to be able to, to see a project through like start totally. to finish like that.
1: 100%. Yeah, and I also was like able to talk to the light, like I was making like 3D mockups of the lighting and all the lighting people were like, oh, this is great. I was nice. like, they were like, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so it's easier to like, I feel like communicate to everyone if you're the last person receiving the files.
0: Mm, that's awesome. Well, I do, um, I want to ask one more question, then Andrew, if you have another question, Um, shoot, um, but we got to get into the future part here, which I'm very excited about. So many things have been happening in the field, Um, but I've seen a lot of your work and it's cool. And like, even with the Nike stuff, it's been, I believe, posted up on billboards or on bigger frames, I believe, like out in the public. Uh, Can you just, I mean, how cool is that, right? Did you get to see some of your work actually posted up out there and...
1: Yeah, um, I didn't see. I I think I was out of town for like a lot of the posts, but it for like the billboards. But I like got to see the application on mm-hmm. the Nike website and the app was also really cool. Like kind of seeing it sprinkled everywhere. That was kind of the the usage of the project too, creating a library of assets to kind of have at hand whenever needed so it, yeah it was a super cool thing to mm, create a bunch of yeah. like a language almost oh. um <clears throat>
2: i'm down to talk about some future stuff because i I will definitely get the wheel spinning there for sure because i I feel like there's like a lot of there's a lot of intersection happening even just talking about like the fashion stuff and i saw Mm -hmm. I, i also see that you've like been involved with like virtual fashion stuff and like virtual fashion shows which i think is like a very interesting concept in terms of like bringing in kind of like vr ar stuff where it's like the real world application of how some of this stuff can like Better inform people. You know, look, if I'm going to go and spend a thousand dollars on like a, a suit or something, yeah, it'd be cool if I could see what I'm going to look like in VR before I spend my money on it. You know, there's there's kind of that base to it too. So, um, mm-hmm. with that, Michael, why don't you kick us off? Oh yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Let's jump into the
0: future. The future. The future. All right, uh, this is the fun future part of the podcast. Uh, This is where we're going over everything. You know, the VR, the AR, the the hypotheticals. There is no judgment here. We're all just speculating and having fun talking about the subjects and where we think things are going. Let's just jump into my favorite subject. Have you ever been messing around or have you done anything in VR and AR or experimented at all with it?
1: I mean, yeah, in school, I made a, some like VR projects, and I've definitely done Instagram filters and like kind of the light version of that. I think mm. my biggest experience is I, I worked one summer at an art and tech festival um, that had a lot of VR and AR like works in it. Wow. And I always, this is kind of a sidebar, but I always think it's so funny how there's this ex- really, fu- you know, futuristic feeling technology. It also has all these really human flaws when you're like helping someone do VR, like so magical, but they're like getting tangled in a rope. You know, like I mean that was wireless. <laughs> but like they're like punching. Like I've been like punched by someone who's like too shocked by VR. Mm-hmm. It's so funny to see middle ground that like connects you to all this technology. And then we also had the magic leaps, which are like the AR headsets. Ooh, so yeah. cool amazing when you put it on it's so it's such an amazing feeling to like see this incorporated you know digital elements incorporated in real space but the headset get this is might be old not like might be fixed but they would get 100 degrees like they would be so Scald hot.
2: your face yes yeah, yeah.
1: and, and everyone wants to wear them so they're like desperate for them to cool off so they're putting them on, and they're like like screaming so <laughs> that's uh, that was just like maybe my experience also working somewhere where there was a lot to facilitate mm-hmm. but that's always something i think about thinking about like all this new technology is a human side of it yeah, yeah that's. Uh, it's, I mean, it's
2: interesting mm-hmm. too because i feel like you don't typically get I mean, so much of work and like, you know, rewind the clocks like five years. It's like, you know, maybe it's on a billboard somewhere so you can see people walk by and see it or whatever. Or, you know, but for the most part, it's like on a screen somewhere and you're on a screen making it and you ship it and then someone else puts it on a screen somewhere else and you kind of are left wondering like... I don't know. What happened? Yeah, like what happened? Like, is there, there is like sort of a lack of like the humanity to it and like seeing someone interact with it. So even if it is something as silly as like, yeah, getting wrapped up in cords and like accidentally punching you in the face. I mean, like that becomes a humanizing moment where, you know, suddenly it's like maybe people are more vulnerable to like. You know, when they go into a universe you've built, they they're more open to new experiences because, yeah, they just accidentally punch you in the face. So, um, yeah, you know,
1: that's that. kind of magical too the moment where you're not person anymore. You're like in an in-between state and then I'm watching, trying to save you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, did. So did you get I'm guessing you got to see your own artwork in this VR and AR space? How did you feel about that versus seeing it in a screen? Did you think to yourself, in a few years, I'm definitely going to be pursuing this more? Or is it something that maybe you kind of liked the medium of it being in a video or flat screen?
1: I think I have like a control problem. And I've heard other people talk about this too. It's like when someone is using seeing your work in a VR space, they have way more access to it than you um, then you, you can't determine how they're going to experience it. And maybe that's something I'm hesitant about because I really, as I said before, like, I love the like perfect shot, the like perfect light and the perfect eyelashes, you know, so I, I really enjoy it. And I think a lot of people's work suits that format, but to me, it, it never feels like I never get the like aha moment. Cause there is not, there isn't one in ever moving kind of space. Yeah. But such
2: an, I, yeah no that's such an interesting response too cuz like we were talking earlier about you know just mesh optimization or like optimization in general right i remember like learning the hacks of like if it's not off if it's not in view of the camera like don't even like delete the polygon. So like if I'm doing like a medium shot of someone, they're not going to have legs. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that in the scene to be like loaded into VRAM when I go to render. But like with VR, it's like, yeah, they're going to see that they don't have legs. So you got to put legs. On. I mean, it just becomes and- like,
1: mm-hmm and it's like someone who's never used it before they're just like slamming into everything and looking at it from the floor or like it's like never the yeah part. you can't curate the perspective as much it was something i really like in my own work mm,
2: that's a good way to mm. put it curating the perspective
0: yeah you really the environment is such a big part of the artwork and I, and even when you go to an art gallery you know it's like you got to get the lighting right you got to get the mood right and You know, it's almost something where if you're designing something, you almost don't even want to have to think about the space around just the object. It's almost like a whole nother type of art form.
1: Totally. Um, And it's like, is someone going to pick up the painting and look at the back? Not at the gallery, but like in VR, they're going to see that. Or they're going to see the the underbelly a bit more. mm
0: -hmm. And then in AR, it's the lighting is just, it, is it going to match what you're putting in especially if it does have a sort of dynamic lighting your object might be totally yep. mislit from what you intended it to be
1: nothing of mine looks good in the normal lighting setup it's somehow horrendous it's just like not right or maybe it's like my, in my head as like the creator it looks so wrong integrated exactly what you're saying like an AI mm-hmm. like and sitting on
2: someone's desk oh my god oh, I've, yeah, I've had that moment I mean, mm-hmm. i've had that moment so many times where like you're you're at like the render phase and you're like all right let me just see like what would happen if i like swapped my hdri out and you do it and you're like oh my god this looks terrible yeah. this is the worst thing i've ever made in my life like it is that's so interesting because yeah. yeah i've also heard the opposite take where it's like well if you're good at lighting and modeling and like texturing like it should look good in any lighting setup. I'm like, that is not the case for me. Like, I also feel not...
1: like I love make a million custom things. So it's like within the time frame. they're never all going to be perfect. It's just not what's happening for me. So it's, mm-hmm. we got to get it lit, lit from that one angle, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. You brought up a lot of good points. That is very funny to think about because I, I do think it's one thing I love talking about with people is it's interesting because VR, you know, talking about all the technical issues and everything like that, it's still very much, I feel, a programmer type field, a hardware designer type field. And, you know, there hasn't been much of a movement for 3D artists to get into the field. It's slowly happening, but... It's, you know, you just brought up so many good points that are just very difficult for artists to deal with as they maybe try and get into the space or transition into it.
2: Right. Because you're so used to solving problems in like one way that gets totally turned on its head as soon as you kind of start creating for VR or AR. And the platform is still primarily developed
0: on a 2D screen. So then to... Have to keep bringing it back out, you know, talking about another program where you're <laughs> going to have to develop for it's just extra lag time for getting that, you know, style and feel out. So that's, uh, yeah, really interesting. Um, jumping on to the next question here. What is your thoughts? Because it is kind of making a little bit of a comeback in various forms that was different than the first wave, but NFTs. Have you had any experience with NFTs, selling, buying? Um, what's your overall thoughts on the field?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had, I sold some NFT. I've been kind of like in the mix. Like it's definitely not my main activity, but I was working with, I work with a gallery who has sold work for me. And it was super interesting. Obviously, when it was a first push, I was kind of roped in. Probably not early for people who know about NFTs but early the public and yeah it was crazy like the the boom was super crazy I was excited about it as it's a really positive step digital artists to like actually make money from their literal artwork and I still think that about it it's still great that we can use fund artists that's like the best part about it and definitely the worst part is that it's been like co-opted by like the worst people ever <laughs> yeah no
2: literally, literally and it
1: makes me sad and the stigma that i comes think when we went, we it. went yeah. so
2: far in one direction yeah and i I hear you 100 percent too about like i loved it from the standpoint of i found so many artists that i probably wouldn't have found otherwise that i still am like following their work and i still get inspired by it but it was yeah. very quick that like the people that already had the social clout and that already had like all of the the resources in terms of like they were established they were already you know they already had large followings or whatever suddenly like they as soon as that shift kind of went towards that more that direction it just became like yeah I mean it was I mean so, I mean it still looks very like the Beeple stuff right like still very exciting for Beeple deserved it like did dailies every day forever mm-hmm. and you know yeah it paid off. Um, but like once we hit those astronomical levels of like the Christie sales and all that, it was like okay, well. And then shut yeah, off, I think what got kind of me fizzled. is
1: also like the culture of it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I like my video cut out for a second. Like the like people who are not involved in art in any form, literally like hustling people. Yeah. I think it totally has its place in the fine art world, but we gotta like weed out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like some... yeah and I oh, think yeah. it was something that in a weird way would have happened regardless as there's scam artists in every single field. But it was just all the signs at least have been presented. And I feel that the majority of people know what to look out for, what not to go into, which is great. And, you know, I see the second wave also being very much, you know, we're seeing social media platforms start to allow potentially minting soon, but they're doing it in very limited numbers. But I think as soon as everybody can be doing it and it's not that you have to join a discord group with a bunch of other people, but it's that you just have access on your own social media site and you can just see a cool artist and buy it right there. As soon as you see the art, just because it's cool. And not because 100 people told you on Reddit to get it, you know. Um, I think that's gonna be a really interesting movement.
1: I think the like funny thing is when people are always like, well, why would I buy that? It's, well, why would you buy an asset in a video game? Why would you buy an expansion pack? Like you're living on part of your time in this digital space. It's like a part of your life there. It's so funny, they'll spend their money on like, a Fortnite skin or something, and yeah. then lose the track of the concept. Um, like applied just differently.
0: And I think it is, you know, it was interesting when people were getting NFTs prior and I did see kind of, well, I saw myself questioning who's going to actually look at it. I bought a thing from an artist. I mean, besides selling it, what kind of value am I actually getting from it? And it felt like, you know, the main answer is, oh, just to sell it for more money which is kind of lame. But I love that now that it's on Instagram, it does give a little cool like, oh, yeah, I, bu- I bought some of Sarah's artwork and now anybody that goes to my profile can see that. And it's not just hidden away. You know, it's actually cool. And I feel like I can proudly say on my social media forms where I'm getting it and, you know, whose stuff I'm buying. And, you know, it's it just makes it a little bit more fun and cool and friendlier than just it, you know, it, it it gives a little bit more of a different value. I feel. Well,
2: and it's like, um, Michael, it makes me think about um, <clears throat> the last guest that we had on the podcast. I don't think it's, have we put out Prado's episode yet? I don't know. Yeah,
0: we put out Prado's episode today. So, so it's very exciting. So
2: Prado had a really good point about this where it's like, the other thing I loved about it was I got really into like Tezos. Uh, like, kind of, I was, I just felt like I'd already missed the Ethereum thing. So I was like, all right, uh, do, next best thing um and and the tezos community was like very global people from all over the world right and uh preto actually talks about in in our conversation with him he talked a lot about how like the other thing that's crazy is like if you're in america and you're buying art from someone across the world like even if it's on like a smaller chain or something that contribution can like you know because of the way currency works and global economies, like that gives an artist like an entire month of what they need to be able to like continue to, you know, the scale the yeah. scale can be different depending on like, you know, but it all comes back to this idea of like the world is getting flatter and like we're, you know, it, as long as it kind of keeps centering around people coming together and, you know, there was all that talk after the first, I feel like NFT boom where it was like, you have to build community and stuff. But I think when the community part is organic, you do kind of see some really awesome stuff like artists that just, really like, you know, selling a few, a few pieces on, uh, like object.io, like that changed their life. They got six months of time to like, you know, to to build a portfolio or like create more work or whatever it was, you know,
1: it's totally a new realm of opportunity for a lot of people who never saw something like that, like in their kind of path.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's super exciting. Um, I think we're going to, yeah just see a lot more of that and let's just go ahead and jump into the big thing uh and that is ai what is your experience with ai and where do you see it going and also how might you be implementing it now and possibly in the future
1: i think like yeah i totally see the like i lost an earphone back um I totally see like you probably have to the public discourse about like fear and then people love it and, like people are like this is the future and then they're like this is hell but to me it's like fun <laughs> it's wrong like the images yeah. are wrong like mm-hmm. you know that it's not able to produce things mm. that feel right like and that is like its biggest weakness and its biggest i don't know like the best thing about it it's so funny like i think it's like a really great tool for I think for me I would use it in terms of brainstorming you're able to like actually visualize like these random thoughts like they don't just need to be text but when it comes down to like the nitty-gritty like the act mm-hmm. the way someone looks in an image or posing and like it's still i'm sure there's better engines the ones everyone is using but it's like to me i don't fear it because it's just like can't draw a hand yeah it it's also like, <laughs> yeah
2: i feel like even even after a couple iterations it's still like i feel like i always look at the eyes like if you just look at the shapes yeah of the pupils it, and like how they're it's always just like a little uncanny
1: yeah, it, it definitely has its own style, and it's not necessarily bad. It's just really yeah. specific—a vomit of everything—and you can tell in the details, mm-hmm. um, which is like a there. And I also think it's interesting, like how the different engines have different stylistic choices that like, you can totally tell. One is pulling from our website, and then one is pulling from Google Images, and you can tell because there's what's that one? It always has like blue, dramatic lighting. It's just like so. It's kind of
2: Funny. Yeah. yeah, like mid journey always gets flagged as like the one that's like more painterly. Like, yeah. um, totally. But although with mid journey, the, the last version, I think we're on V4 now. I mean, even that has kind of started to shift. I mean, V4 was like pretty quite drastic last week.
0: But I, you know, I, I agree. I think that there are those details. I think that is a massive key, which is just going into eyes, it's going into fingers. And then even when you look at the Structure of certain items, right? Like if you put wires, the wires are just not organized. They're just going into random spots without any actual utility value to it. It's just so sporadic. And then you think to yourself, okay, now a client wants this and they say, change the wires. You know,
1: you're like, there There is
0: zero (laughs) tools being developed for that yeah exactly i mean you can i mean if you know
2: photoshop i guess right like you could yeah exactly and
0: And then you know you kind of
2: end up leaning on like your base skill set as a designer
0: right and then just doing things like you know can we move the light down 10 feet there you know maybe a little bit here can we put the light right over his head you know and you can do some adjustments but you're completely at the will of the ai and You know, as of right now, there's not a lot of. Tools to do these adjustments, you know, there's very. And, you know, what if they want now that character in a whole nother scene? You know, you can kind of still do it, but it's not exact. You don't have like an actual 3D model that you can now base in all these different scenes. And even if again, it's those details, it's just not going to capture it perfectly in the next iteration like it did from one iteration. Now you got kind of four different iterations and um, which I think is, yeah, that's a good point about the details. I really do think that's going to be. And then as we go into things like VR and AR and as screens are getting bigger, you know, those details just show even more and it just it's has kind of crazy feeling.
1: Like, you can just have you could just sense it mm-hmm. an amalgamation of stuff. Like, I don't know what the feeling is. Like the pinpoint when I look at it, I just am like, you know it's a mush. Like you, no matter what it is.
2: There's oh, uh, there's a term for um there's some phobia, right? Of like surf like uh microsurfaces that have like tons of little holes. Tryptophobia. Is that what it is? Mm
1: the circles like a billion dots
2: yeah yeah yeah. Mm. and like mid-journey v2 i think it was everywhere like it would just be like you'd get like half of a model but then it would just be like really weird like little holes and textures and stuff and people were getting so like i mean rightfully so because it's like very it can be very uncomfortable to look at because it's like in some ways it's a convincing image but there's so it's it's kind of like uncanny valley 2.0 you know it's like mm -hmm, you there was an era where everyone was like we can make humans in 3d like this is like early 2000s and it's like well we can but we probably shouldn't yet because we're not that good at it it's like
1: yeah did you know the like polar express movie i i learned this in oh, school yeah. i i think this is true like obviously that's like the 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 uncanny um, film everyone talks about so odd and apparently they use adult motion capture data on children's oh. bodies and faces so that's like why it's so such a weird. subliminal
2: thing that like you definitely as a human would just, I feel like instinctually pick up on and you're like, I don't know what it is. Uh, it turns out like kids don't move like adults.
1: <laughs> exactly, they just have definitely have like, I mean, they have their jaw is formed differently, like they're everything. So I was like, that's super interesting. But that's like my favorite thing I like about the AI is like the flaw. I think that's a funny thing, mm. like what it learns and stuff. I saw this um, exhibition this artist trevor paglin and it was a while ago but he was like doing i don't know if y'all are familiar he was like doing some earlier ai stuff i think he built the models but like he would have one describe to another what something that is not real is like what is a vampire you know something that is like totally like there's no actual um imagery Mm. it's just all sphere of like culture like i don't know so he has like a really like what is like evil or something and um i think it's funny like the way that it thinks about stuff like that too well
2: yeah and it's like this whole conversation sort of seems to be coming back around to the the idea that like i mean it's just like the idea of like there's bias in like coding and in social media apps and applications like there is you know all of this is based on i don't know where i read it Uh, i just i think about it a lot where it's like in a lot of ways part of what makes the ai thing in my mind, at least part of what makes it uncomfortable is that you realize that you're basically just being held. There's just a mirror being held up against you Mm -hmm. and the rest Mm -hmm. of society and like all this stuff that you're seeing, all the weird stuff, all the like, you know, the cool stuff, the beautiful stuff, but then also like the weird and maybe kind of scary and like, kind of leaves you like, I don't know, just like you're, you're wondering how, how did this AI end up here? It's like, well, it ended up there because it was trained on a bunch of data that we gave it. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's we, not
1: we, alien. We, right, that. it's
2: not. It's not like a. It's not completely novel in the sense that like it started with human data. So I don't know. That's it's a. It's a crazy um, rabbit hole to start to kind of go down, but it's an interesting, interesting perspective for sure.
0: Yeah, I I do think that, you know, it's scary in the sense I feel that personally that there's a low to medium tier bar that could get pretty well hit. From AI as it develops, especially in the next two to three years, but I think the attention to detail, even you know the the express, the Polar Express, is just such a good thing that the AI I think will not always be able to capture those details, and people will always know the difference between the high end production stuff and the low end production stuff. And I think as well as things probably are shifting that as they have been into. Um, video, you know, more video. And that stuff requires so much render power. And, you know, I feel like they're these companies are going to start charging a lot and clients are going to start paying all this money, not getting good results. And they're going to get frustrated and it's not going to be anything detailed. And I, I always think it's funny, too, that I remember when photographers And, you know, videographers were kind of freaking out when cell phones could kind of start capturing video a few years ago. But instead, you're still having massive Hollywood. If anything, the Hollywood filmographers are getting paid more money. Wedding photographers, they're charging so much these days. You know, it's kind of in a weird way, almost amplified. The pros because this
1: divide. yeah
0: because people are taking all the shortcuts and they're not actually doing it the proper way so yeah it's like I think,
1: craft versus like an engine that pumps out the same kind of thing yeah
2: yeah exactly exactly so I'm, yeah it's like it's love for the process not love for the result kind of thing mm-hmm. i feel like I, that's what I totally when I start to get a little um a little in my head about all this so that it, it's like that's the one thing I just need to try to keep reminding myself is that like. I started doing this just because I liked doing it. Like, you know, I if I've had a if I've had a long day at work, sometimes I'm still just like, I actually kind of want to keep working on some stuff just because I enjoy doing it. It's like, It can't be helped. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, when you know, obviously when you just get everything just happened so quickly with the AI stuff and it was just literally it was like I woke up one morning and it was just suddenly everywhere, like every major news publications writing about it nonstop every you know conversations about copyright claims and like, you know, it just felt like so much so fast, but hopefully now that we're kind of getting our head around it, um, we can start making some good, I think there are are some decisions that need to get made sooner rather than later about how this is all going to progress. But I think we're getting to a better place where we can actually kind of have those conversations. Yeah.
0: And uh, I know we kind of said it, Andrew, a little bit earlier, but I, you know, I was kind of hearing what kind of, established rules will be made, if any, and saw just an interesting post. And the author was essentially saying that once people start getting money off of this, whether it's through animation or pictures and that becomes a thing, if you start using, hey, I made a short Star Wars movie and I changed the ending with A.I. Disney's lawyers are going to come after you so fast and they're going to come. after. They're going to kill you. Yeah. And they're (laughs) going to start going after these A.I. companies like how do you have all of our images? Where did you get our images from? And so, you know, I think these massive media companies and these are might actually just, you know, start hitting them if they feel threatened in any way. So I don't know. I, I think that probably will happen. It'll be hopefully they will jump in and start the ethics battle with that. Um, Cause yeah, I don't know. It's going to be yeah, interesting. Be,
1: that's what I think. It'll be interesting. Um,
0: well, I guess this is, we're going to, I'm going to ask this, even though I may, I usually ask this after the VR and AR thing, but I got too excited about AI. Um, but this is kind of the last question in the future. And it's kind of uh kind of faded this topic uh, might be one of the last times we ask it but it's still hot it's still around uh the last little thing is is just the metaverse do you have any what do you think that might be what do you think that's going to develop into
1: it's so ugly like why is it so ugly like that's the worst part about it like why is it truly really, like literally so yeah. bad and ugly like we all know what tools exist like i it's, mm-hmm. It's so funny that it's so ugly, and like I saw a tweet that's like may, probably not true at all, but it was just funny because I kind of believed it. It was like the metaverse has thirty-five active users, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, probably.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, so are you are you referencing the metaverses in metas?
1: Oh, I'm I'm talking about like the the Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It was,
2: the, like, Zuck, the Zucks metaverse, the Zuck. yeah, which does yeah. look terrible but also i think it's true that there are other i guess metaverses
1: totally yeah that, I but mean, also they I'm,
2: all kind of I'm, have this like it's it's honestly a lot of them i see i'm like i feel like i'm on like webgl in like 2010 yeah where like where we could like render a sphere with like uh three one lighting in our yeah. web browser and for some reason we thought that was really cool but like you look at it now and you're just like this is so weird and i would never want to spend time here mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and it's like you can be anything and like it's probably proven like people enjoy like fantasy perspective more than like a real world perspective yeah most people who enjoy video games are playing like i don't know maybe not like 2k but like there's some element that sets it apart from reality. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why would I just be like an ugly little egg guy? Yeah. Like, I'm not, you know, like...
2: Like, can you imagine if like, you guys remember the um the Mii's from the Wii, the Nintendo Wii? Yes. They're better. <laughs> they they honestly look They're like funnier. they could have a metaverse, you know, like yeah. Yeah. it's the same, same vibe. It's so
0: bad. I mean, I felt like that was meta's number one flaw was exactly what you said is, why I don't want to be myself in the metaverse like oakley glasses i could have any type of headwear and glasses i want why would i want regular I oakley's like why like there's no
1: i want to be like a centaur <laughs> yeah. like i want to be like a bubble like i don't want to be
2: honestly if it like, were anything limited. like yeah if it were anything like ready player two ready player one one ready player two ready mm-hmm. player one not two i uh, think ready player one hell yeah dude sign me up i want to be like a big you know I don't know they just said like that that seemed fun right mm-hmm. it's like everyone's got all these like crazy cars and like you know some literally centaurs and ogres and you can't around.
1: like do bad things did you know that I don't know like you can't like there's like a guy in every room like watching yeah
2: you. yeah the oh, moderate wait, guy in, in the metaverse yeah <laughs> yeah if You it's like
1: curse and stuff
2: it's it's pretty bad I mean I that's so I bizarre. Mean,
1: it also takes itself so seriously
2: it's. I was dying at the legs announcement. Yeah, I like, it it's like,
1: not real. Did you know it's not real? Uh, they used motion capture to, like, make that. Yeah.
2: Quest? <laughs> which, He's which, like, which actually makes legs. it, yeah. It makes it even He's funnier like, because it's legs? like, you guys all thought that, like, that was such an exciting thing and that people would freak out about legs that you lied about them. Like, they don't even exist. You, you know, like, it's just a bad, it's just bad. That's
0: what they've been doing. I, it's even the metaverse when they released the Quest 2 and sh- stuff. I've said this before on the podcast, but they put the highest detailed render, the most realistic people doing the most craziest realistic VR things. And that technology is years away, tens of years away. And of course, everybody tries it and it was garbage. Like you're falsely selling to consumers who are obviously going to be disappointed once they experience it. So why you know, get that bad publicity for no reason. Like no wonder your stuff's tanking. But I will yeah, say cuz uh, I got to say is that uh, I just always got to give a shout out to VR Chat. I don't know if you've ever done VR Chat. Way
1: better, so funny. So good.
0: You can be anything. Like I love making random like- 3D models like on Nomad or something just like on the way to work or back, I'm just on my phone and then throw it into Blender quickly or Mixamo quickly rig it up. And then boom, I'm just walking around talking to people as like a little dumb blobby dinosaur that I made and people are busting out laughing. It's so much fun like that. I mean, if they were putting actual funding into that and what also makes it better is that it's artists making stuff, you know, it's not Oakley's, it's not meta, it's literally just random people letting their imagination go. And it just makes for a way better experience. So um, but yeah, I don't know. That's so I'm getting heated
2: on that subject, but it's I love it. I No, I mean it's yeah. it's it's the we dichotomy. We could go on.
1: Yeah. It's we like it's on. the dichotomy
2: of like I mean any new idea like that. It's like uh, that's true of I think probably any art. It's like the second that it gets commodified yeah. by in this case like very large brands, like you're going to have like the divergent diverging path of like, you know, there's the cool stuff and then there's the stuff that's like you guys it's like it's like giving my like my mom My, like, telling my mom to open Blender and do something with it, she'd be, she could do something, but I don't think it would be, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it just feels so out of touch and, like, kind of missing the point almost. Sorry, mom. I don't think that, I don't think Badly would be at
1: all. (laughs) You think she'll listen to episode 27. I don't think (laughs) she has spot.
2: I don't think she has spot. Well, I don't know. I don't know. She's pretty hip on a lot of stuff. Moms are hip. Yeah. I, you know, the one thing
0: too I would say is I do think that what's funny and the whole metaverse platform is this idea that corporations are going to come in and start funding it. But when you do apps like VR chat, nobody wants to buy anything that has to do anything remotely with like what companies have like Oakley's. Nobody wants those glasses, Nike shoes. Nobody wants that. A car, BMW. I don't want a car. I want a dragon or something that I can (laughs) Like I'm buying that. Like where does your Where do these mass media companies, the Fortune 500 companies, actually fit in the metaverse? And I feel like it's nowhere. You know, I think it's going to be a whole new ecosystem of 3D artists building crazy cool things that people actually want to incorporate with in their space. So, um, you know, that's that's my thought. I I think it's got a lot of work to go, and I think they're messing up in every single direction possible. But um, but
1: that's kind of funny. Yeah, too. You can't
2: tell I like when things are <laughs> I think it's gonna just, be like the life best is just compliment. becoming a yeah. <laughs> it, life is just turning into a meme. Everything is a exactly, just yeah. like all of it is just so absurd. You gotta just you gotta laugh at it. Um, so uh, Michael, do you have anything else on the future stuff? Because I was gonna just maybe open up to Sarah if there were any future projects we wanted to talk about or stuff that you have coming down. I think we're kind of getting to a point where we can wrap
0: yeah, up. Yeah, I think that was all my questions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have, I have a bunch of little things in the work, but works, but I'm just super excited to keep creating a bunch of fun assets and worlds. So that's what you can stay tuned for.
2: Amazing. And we will obviously uh, link up all of your socials and stuff. Definitely give Sarah a follow because incredible work, um, really good conversation too. I feel like this was such a fun chat and I'm very excited to see what you do in the future.
1: Thanks so much.